Welcome to the Life Christian Church Podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. Pastor Maria Durso is a a dear friend of mine and Sharon's, um, her and her husband, Michael, who's one of our presbyters here at the Life Christian Church, led uh, the great Christ Tabernacle, now called Saints Church in Queens, New York, for how many years? 36 years. And recently transitioned that church to their son, Chris, who's doing a great job. Uh, Maria speaks all over the world. Last Sunday, she was preaching in London, for instance. Uh, and uh, we're really excited to have her here today. I hope that you'll give a great, big TLCC welcome to Maria Durso. Love you, Maria. I love you guys. I love this church. I'm so happy that I am one of your favorites because you are definitely mine. Uh, we love Pastor Terry and Sharon. They are truly so dear to our heart. And I could say this uh, with all of my heart, you're safe here. This is a great church. This is a great place. And they love you. Uh, as Pastor Terry was praying for the children, he was saying, he was referencing this crazy world. Has not this world turned upside down and inside out? We have weathered a pandemic, political unrest, a racial divide, church leaders falling, and it's all been done in isolation. We have been alone with our feelings. And if that's not a perfect storm, nothing is. And through this perfect storm, it's created this vacuum for these outside voices to rise up. And these outside voices, they have their own agenda. They are strategic voices. We have the news media. We have social media. We have conspiracy Theories. We have CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and whatever letter of the alphabet you want to name. They have replaced the gospel in many of believers' homes. And our biblical absolutes, they have come under fire. Our exclamation points have been punched in the gut and they've been turned into question marks. In other words, we used to say, uh, thus saith the Lord. And now in 2021, we're saying, did God really say? And if I were to label this season, I would label it the age of voices. Yet in the midst of all of this confusion and chaos, there just might be one voice, the voice that truly matters, the voice that makes all the difference, the voice of the one and only Holy Spirit, and his voice is being drowned out. As believers, the single greatest privilege we have is hearing the voice of God. The, the greatest responsibility we have, especially in this day and age, is hearing the voice of God. The voice of God, there's nothing like it. It's incomparable, it's soft and it's loud, it's, it's gentle and authoritative at the same time and it's a sound like no other, you cannot ignore it, you may not obey it, but it cannot be denied. 
I heard that voice in a hotel room in 1975, living with my boyfriend, stoned out on drugs, crazy, cursing, got out. And in that hotel room, that voice called my name. It wasn't external. It was internal. It was like mercury in a thermometer. And it filled me all the way up. And everything I was ever searching for was in that one sound. And all the voices that screamed at me and yelled at me and told me what I couldn't be and, and what I was cha couldn't change me. But that voice that day changed my life. Let's pray. Let's put our hands over our heart. And the prayer today is God open the ears of our spirit that we might hear what the spirit is saying in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Well, I've been suffering from vertigo for years. And for those of you that don't know what vertigo is, it's an inner ear problem. It's a vestibular, uh, vestibular disorder. And it's a terrible thing because you never know when you're going to get a vertigo attack. You could be walking and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, things start to spin around. Um, it happened to me in London last week. I was getting on the plane. I wasn't even there yet. And I was suffering from vertigo even while I was preaching. It wasn't major. Sometimes I have it so major. I get up in the middle of the night. The whole room is on a slant, spinning around. I have to literally crawl to the bathroom. It is the most horrible thing. So, of course, I've been to neurologists, otolaryngologists, acupuncturists. I've had CAT scans, MRIs, balance tests. But one of the tests that I was given was a simple hearing test. And I don't know if you've ever had a hearing test, but they put you in a soundproof booth and they put these noise canceling headphones on you. And you have to listen very carefully by leaning in. When you hear the sound, you raise your hand. When you hear the sound, you raise your hand. And at first, the sounds, they're very loud. And it's so easy to distinguish them. But then during the test, they lower the sound. They're down to a whisper. But because you're in a soundproof booth, you're leaning in and you're raising your hand. And then during the test, they add all of this outside noise. And, and now you have to distinguish between the sounds and the noise, however faint it is. And with every sound, I leaned in as much as I could and I raised my hand. So they came out and they gave me the results and they said, well, you do have some age-related hearing loss. That's normal. I am 70 years old. I'm going to be 71 in December. So, you know, okay, that's okay. But I thought to myself, you know what? It's not okay as a believer. As a believer, I am 46 years old in the Lord. And the older I get, the better my hearing should be. I should always be leaning in. I should always be posturing myself, listening and saying, yes, Lord, raising my hand. Yes, Lord, whatever you say. Psalm 46, 10 says, be still and know that I am God. And that word still means to be in deep 
silence. You know, you could be around a million people, but in your spirit, you could be in deep silence hearing God's voice. I love this in Psalm 46, 10 in the message, it says, step out of the traffic, take a long loving look at me, your high God above politics, above everyone. Be silent so you can distinguish between the sound and the noise. And I heard that sound because I was in a soundproof booth with noise-canceling headphones on. And ladies and gentlemen, I do believe that it's time for us to soundproof our lives so that we can hear the voice. Romans 8.14 says, for as many that are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. And it's basically saying that when you partner with the divine coach, with the teacher, with the, the, with the instruction, with the instructor, a dynamic partnership is formed. And I hope you know that you're it. You are God's conduit through which he moves on the earth. If we stop hearing, then God can't do what he wants to do. That's why it's so important that we settle ourselves to say, yes, Lord, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. John 10, 27, in the English Standard Version, it says, my sheep hear my voice. Notice it doesn't say some of my sheep. He says, my sheep, no matter how young you are, do you know that a baby knows the mother's voice? before that baby ever sees the mother. Do you know that we can know God's voice before we ever see his face? Another fact is when a baby comes out into the world, it's born into this chaotic room where people are taking it out, pulling this umbilical cord from it, washing it down, slapping it across the the baby is screaming, crying, but what happens? Then they place the baby in the mother's arms and all of a sudden the mom speaks to that baby and that, that baby calms down. We're never, never too young and we're never too old to hear the voice of God. Matthew 4, 4 says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word your pastor is encouraging you to fast. Because I love to eat. I love to eat. That's why I have this baggy shirt on. <clears throat> yes, during the pandemic, I learned how to make all these extra recipes. And it put on a lot of extra things that I did not invite to the party. And that's why we have to fast. Because as hungry as we are for food, we should be more hungry for God. Revelation 2.29 and 3.22, it says, He who has an ear to hear... What the Spirit is saying. Hear what the Spirit is saying. I have a million stories about hearing the voice of God, but there's a few that are very significant to me because sometimes we hear God's voice. We're just quickened out of nowhere. How many have ever experienced that? And then some of us, we read the word of God, and I hope you know that the word of God is the voice of God. If God said it, you don't have to have an argument with it. It is the voice of God. Sometimes we hear God's voice when we pray, and sometimes we hear it in a sermon. But however you hear it, God's voice comes in all different ways. And I remember, this is so significant, one morning, my husband gets up and he tells me, 
I have to call this woman. And this was a woman that we worked with in before we ever started our church. She was in a street and prison ministry with my husband. And we happened to run into her and uh, during a Christmas time, and she gave us her phone number. And it was on a little piece of paper. She had gotten married. She moved away. And my husband gets up, and now probably eight months pass, and he says, I have to call this woman. So I said to him, okay, honey, I said, uh, let me just make breakfast and then we'll go and look for the number. I have no idea where this number is. He says, no, no, I have to call now. So I said, all right. So we start to go through the desk and there's all these papers. And we finally find the little piece of paper with this woman's phone number. And my husband calls her up and he says, are you okay? And she says, Pastor Gerso, she says, my husband walked out on me last night. She says, I just put poison in a bottle and I was going to give it to my children and drink it myself. But here my husband calls. She ended up moving back and she's been in our church for years. You see, a lot of times when we're quickened by the Holy Spirit, we have to obey. There's always going to be a voice that says, do it tomorrow. But listen, tomorrow is Satan's today. We have to be quickened. We have to obey. When the Holy Spirit says, text that person, text them. Don't go through a whole mental gyration of, should I, should I not? What are they going to think? Don't worry about what they're going to think. Obey the Holy Spirit. I remember one time, I don't know if you remember the days, but you only wore skirts to church and dresses. You could not wear pants. I mean, if you wore pants, the Holy Spirit was definitely not showing up. So anyway, uh, this young lady, she gets saved and she has, you know, she doesn't have church clothes by any means. She hardly has any clothes. So anyway, I'm making uh, 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 lunch for my kids, and I hear the Holy Spirit say, when you go to church tonight, before you go, get all of your dresses and skirts out of the closet and give it to this woman. I was like, get thee behind me. I mean, at the time, we had my husband quit his job. We were making like $80 a week. I mean, I hardly had anything to wear. But anyway, I, I kept feeling this impression. And you know, when God impresses something, it doesn't go away. So anyway, I go up and I get a, a shopping bag and I put all the things in and I go to church and it's prayer meeting night and I hand her the clothes and she was like, you know, this is an answer to prayer. I had no idea what I was going to start to wear to come to church. But as I was leaving, a woman that was coming to our church said to me, Pastor Maria, she said, you know that I work for a factory where we do all designers. And she handed me three huge bags of clothes. And not only was I able to go home with the bag, I felt like the loaves and the fishes. There were leftover baskets. I was sharing the clothes with everybody. All that to say, when God tells you to do something, even though it doesn't make sense, do it. Do it because God will never shortchange you. One more quick story and then I got to get on with it. And we also hear God's voice through his word. Uh, a few years ago, probably 10 years ago, I walked around the corner. I am not a walker. I am a rider. But I walked around the corner to mail a letter. I was with my granddaughter at the time. She was 10. And um, this gentleman comes out, and he's like diagonally across from my yard. So, you know, I live in Queens, so we have little, 
little backyards. And um, I said, oh, hi, you're the new neighbor. I said, I'm your neighbor. That's, that's, my, that's my house right there. And he goes, oh, you're the one with the tree. I had this humongous pine tree that I thought everybody was enjoying. Obviously, they were not. And it was on everybody's property, right? So they all have these pine needles. And that's another whole sermon in itself. When you think other people are enjoying what you're enjoying. <laughs> so anyway, um, he says, uh, I says, oh, uh, you don't like my tree? And he says, well, let's put it like this. Me and your neighbor next door. Now, my neighbor next door, we've been neighbors forever. And he says, uh, we decided that if you want to take down the tree, like we'll help you with the money to cut it down. They had a conversation about us. So I said, no, I said, that's my tree. That's my problem. So I walked away. So my granddaughter, Marissa, you know, being from New York, you don't act like this in New Jersey. She's like, Nana, who does that guy think he is? I mean, he just moved in here. I mean, after all, that's your tree. And you've been here, blah, 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 X amount of times. And I turned to her and I said, yeah, but Marissa, in Romans 12, 18, it says, as long as it's possible with you, you're to live at peace with all men. So I go home and I tell my husband, my husband says, yeah, we got to cut the tree down. So the next day I called the tree service. I really don't want them to come. I just want to act like I want to do something for God, but I really don't. But the tree service comes, lucky me. And they come and they give me this great prize and they start cutting down the tree. I'm in my bathroom, my second floor, and I'm watching this tree and I'm crying and I'm saying, God, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. And then the tree was gone in my backyard. It was so pitiful. And now I could see everybody that I've never seen. I saw the park across the street. I mean, it was just awful. Next day was Sunday. I go to church. Monday, I leave to do a conference in Texas, and I'm with my assistant, Penny, and I'm taking pictures of trees, and the pastors say, you know, what are you doing? And I said, well, um, you know, I give them the whole, the over-explainer. I give her the whole story, and, you know, so then um, I says, I got to find a tree that doesn't shed. So uh, Thursday comes the end of the conference, and my daughter-in-law on Sunday had been living with us, saving for a house. She calls me. She has a voicemail. Mom, you got to call me up. You got to call me up. I call her up, and she says, you're not going to believe this, Mom. We had a tornado in Queens. We do not get tornadoes in Queens. We did get one last week, but we always escape that kind of stuff. She says, all the trees in the neighborhood, they're all uprooted. They're everywhere. And the gardener came and said, had you not cut down the tree, it would have crashed in your house. This tree was 40, 50 feet high. Here I'm thinking I'm doing something for God and God is doing something for me. And it, wait, it gets better. The next year I walk around the corner to mail a letter, my yearly walk around the corner. And the guy comes out, and I said, hi, remember me? I'm the one with the tree. He says, yes, thank you very much. And I told him, I said, listen, I am a believer, and this is what the Bible said. This is why I did it. All of a sudden, his wife comes out, and she goes, now I know who you are. She says, I've been looking at you and your husband. Of course you are. You could see, like, right in our backyard. <laughs> she says, I couldn't figure out who you were, but now I know. She says, I've been visiting your church. Could you believe that? I mean, she's used to seeing us in dresses, suits, and ties, and we don't go in our backyard. I'm sorry to disappoint you like that. And, and she said, imagine if I would have said, that's my tree. 
Sometimes we act like that as believers. But it's so not a great testimony. The Bible says in the book of Amos, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine through the land. Not a famine of food for thirst, for water, but a famine of hearing. Imagine that. Not a famine of God speaking. It's going to be a famine of us hearing. And hearing in the biblical definition means to be in sync, to give audience to, to regard, to pay attention. And when we don't hear, we don't adhere. When we don't regard, we disregard. Do you know that you could be a faithful attendee and love to come to church and not be a hearer? In the book of Ezekiel, if you know anything about Ezekiel, I mean, he was the preacher of preachers. He was the T.D. Jakes of the day. He was a swagalicious wordologist with the anointing. And the Bible says this, that people would say, and this is God telling him what the neighborhood was saying about Ezekiel. They say, come and hear the message that has come from the Lord. But then God says, my people come to you as they usually do and set, and set before you to hear your words but they don't put them into practice. You see, in Ezekiel's day, like today, people love church. They love church, it's culture. They feel good. The music, who could not love this music? Amazing, but it becomes a form of entertainment. If you're online, probably in the chat room, you're putting fire emojis. If you're sitting here, well, maybe not in this church, but in my church, people say, preach. They love that, but yet they walk away and they don't want to do what the word tells them to do. Mark 4, 12 says, ever hearing, but never understanding. Luke 8, 18, it says this, take care how you hear, because how we hear is internal. But in Mark 4, 24, it says, consider carefully what you hear, because what you hear is external. So listen, how we hear affects what we hear and what we hear affects how we react. And that's why we have to get rid of all that accumulation of, of, of non-spiritual earwax so that we will hear in the right context because if we don't hear, we'll lean into the wrong voice. There's a man in the Bible, his name is Elijah. We find him in 1 Kings. And Elijah was a hearer. And you know the story, if you've been in church for any amount of time, he was amazing. And he hears a voice to say, go to Ahab, go to the king, the evilest king, and tell him, it's not going to rain except by my word. But he hears the voice of God, and the voice of God gives him courage. And he stands before the king, and he makes the declaration, and he leaves. And then God says, go to the brook, and I will give you water and I will feed you with ravens. Sounds crazy, but when you hear the voice of God, you're inspired with faith. And then the brook dries up, but God never fails, and he sends him to this place called Zarephath. And Zarephath is actually the hometown of Jezebel's father. And Jezebel and, and Ahab, they're looking for Elijah, but God hides him in the presence of his enemy, full of courage. And the story goes on, but James 5.17, in the New Living, I love this. It says, Elijah was as human as we are. Elijah was as human as we are. You might know the scripture as Elijah was a man just like us. So it tells me that we can do amazing things 
But we also live in the tension of the external and the internal voices. There's this invisible gravitational pull to outside voices. And the man just like us, he has a weak side. He has feelings. He's subject to moods. And he has an attack of spiritual vertigo. There's this evil queen, Ahab's wife, Jezebel, and she threatens him by sending a message. She sends him a message and says, far be it from me if by tomorrow I don't have you killed. And the man that just outran a chariot could hardly stand up. That outside voice all of a sudden scares him so much so that he goes in the opposite direction from the way he's supposed to be. And what does he do? He isolates himself. You know, in the Septuagint, which is the Old Testament, um, uh, oldest findings of in, uh, written in the Greek, the New Testament, I'm sorry. It says, it says it like this. She says, you are Elijah, but I am Jezebel. She pits her name against his name. And I want to ask you guys, isn't that what the enemy is doing right now? He is sending us subliminal messages. He's sending the church messages. You think you're powerful? Well, wait till you see. I am more powerful. I'm the prince of this world. He's saying, you think you have the word? Well, I'm going to have the last word. And just like Elijah that went into a cave, we've become cave dwellers. There are people that are watching online. You used to come to church. You used to serve. But all of a sudden now you've gotten comfortable. But the body of Christ doesn't work that way. I love the fact that our precious Amanda is going to go and be an online campus pastor in London because she can't physically be here. But if she could physically be here, she would be in the building just as she is today. Because the body, just like our body, was not meant to function separately. We need to be together. We need one another. I understand some of you have health issues and you can't come into the building. Understood. But I'm talking to those that in isolation, you've become cavemen and cave women. We need to get back to the body of Christ. Hearing the wrong voice will send us in the wrong direction and produce negative feelings. And those feelings are the graveyard of faith. Listen, emotions are the greatest distorter of revelations. Watch your emotions. They're the graveyard of faith many times. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing. Hearing the voice of God and the enemy doesn't want us to hear because let's face it even in the natural if you can't hear you can't speak the enemy does not want us to speak how could they hear if no one tells them the enemy wants to shut us down so I love this in first Kings 19 13 the angel asked him what are you doing here Elisha this wasn't a rebuke. This was an invitation for him to think, what, what are you doing here? 
was for him to reflect, not deflect. Remember, he deflects. He says, I'm the only, I'm the only. No, reflect. What are you doing here? You're on heaven's payroll. You've been bought with the price. It's not quitting time. It's not time to clock out. And then he tells him, get up and eat for the journey ahead because the voice of God refreshes, saying, wait, get up. You have so much more anointing inside of you. There's a journey ahead of you. This is, you're not going to stay here in this place by yourself. And then he says, go out and stand before me. The single most important thing we must do when we want to quit is stand in the presence of the Lord. Because it's in his presence, his fullness of joy. And you notice that the the voice, it wasn't in the earthquake and it wasn't in the fire. It was in that still small voice. That's why we have to quiet ourselves. And then he says, go back the way you came. Remember, remember how I used you. Remember what I've done for you. Go back the way you came. Walk in your purpose. Release your anointing. And I believe the Holy Spirit is asking some of us today, what are you doing here? Why are you thinking of quitting? Why, why has your exclamation points been punched in the gut and turned into question marks? Why are you doubting my word? Remember my promises. Remember the victories. Because you have a legacy. And Elisha receives a second wind because the voice of God revives. Listen, 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, for a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them. A great number of teachers that will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. I say, if you want itchy ears, get a Q-tip. But we're not those people. We're the people that hear and obey with the people that lean in and say, yes, Lord, you want me to go to London? I'm going to London. I'm going to leave the comfort of the church I love and my family and me and my bride. We're going off to hear from heaven because I have a purpose on this earth. Roman, Psalm 32, it says, I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway. And I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. That reminds me of ways. How many love ways? They tell you where the police are hiding out. <laughs> where there's a camera. I love ways. But you know when I don't like ways? I, like, I don't like ways when it's telling me to go a place that I've never been. So what do I do? I shut her off. And I usually regret it because she sees what I can't see. She's going to help me avoid all the, all the traffic and the accident that I might not know about miles ahead. Look at what this scripture says. It says, don't make it difficult. Don't, don't be stubborn when I want to take you where you have not been before. Don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. I'm your ways. I am the ways, the truth, and the life. Keep listening to my voice. How many would say today, God, we need a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit's power?
We want to open our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Pastor Terry.